So in sixth grade, we're having this big family party at our uncle's house, and um, I'm excited because all my cousins are going to be there, and we love to run around and play. And so we get to the house, and I'm trying to just get to the backyard where all the fun is happening. And as I walk through the house, I hear my uncle tell me, you know, hey, uh, just be careful in the backyard. There's a, just watch out for the cone. So I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, sure, right? And so I uh, get there, and we're playing hide-and-seek, tag, and we're running around. And what was perfect about it is that there was a light on the porch, but, like, the backyard was still kind of dark. So, like, it worked really nicely for hide-and-seek and tag, right? And so that's why he said, watch out for the cone. Uh, and so I'm running around, and my cousin German's in front of me, and I'm, I'm chasing him, and I see the cone, but something's not feeling right. So I'm like, mm, there's something wrong. Something's, something's bothering my knee. And so I run around a little bit, but then I'm like, no, something really feels off. And so I go from the backyard, right? And so I had started feeling this in like the deepest, darkest part of the backyard. But now I'm like, I need to know what's going on, right? Something is wrong. I need to know what's going on. And so I start to move to the porch because that's where the light is. And so I get up on the porch, and sure enough, I discover I had a really serious laceration to my knee. And so uh, I get on the porch, and I'm talking about the type of injury the whole gathering has stopped. It's not like, oh, he has a little boo-boo, get a, you know, get a Band-Aid or something. Like, everyone's like, okay, stop, let's figure out what happened. And so there I am, the whole gathering has come to a screeching halt, and we had to take care of my knee, which I wound up getting 17 stitches later that night at the hospital. Don't worry, I'll leave out all the gory details. All you need to know is 17 stitches. It was a major cut. It happened in the deep, dark part of the backyard, but even though I felt something wrong and I knew something was wrong, I could only see what was wrong when I moved from where it was dark to where the light was on the back porch. And so why that story? We're talking about sanctification this morning, right? Big word, right? Pastor Stephen told me, he was like, hey, I want you to preach on sanctification. And forgive my silliness here, but office fans, the first thing that popped into my mind was when Dwight says one word, two syllables, demarcation, right? It just popped into my head. Sanctification, this big word that makes it easy to hear it and be like, mm, I'm not interested or it's too big a word or I don't need to know that. But I wanted to start off discussing sanctification as a simple premise. The closer we get to the light, the more we can see what needs to be dealt with. Sanctification is not merely proximity to the light, but I wanted to start discussing it with that premise. This ninth fundamental truth of the assemblies of God, it has four bullet points, but we're gonna start with these two. The first one says, sanctification is an act of separation from that which is evil and of dedication unto God. The second bullet point says, sanctification is realized in the believer by recognizing his identific identification with Christ in his death and resurrection and by the faith reckoning daily upon the fact of that union and by offering every faculty continually to the dominion of the Holy Spirit. But to lead off, we can only have proper perspective of sanctification if we have a proper view of salvation. And I want you to remember what Jesus said as he hung on the cross. It is finished. It's done. 
And it's important to point this out because if we're not careful, sanctification can sound like works-based salvation. Here's what you need to do to be sanctified. Here's the works you must do to really show that you're saved and sanctified. And so I wanna dive in uh, to understand this a little deeper with the right perspective. And so I wanna start with 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Listen to what this verse says. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Who's sanctifying you? God himself. And don't miss the emphasis on completely. Not only do we have the word completely, but then it's echoed by saying spirit, soul, body. There's an emphasis here. You are to be sanctified completely. If Paul can say, I have not yet attained, then I promise we haven't attained either. And that means there's areas of our life that need to be continually presented to God so that God himself can sanctify you completely. He wants to, and he can sanctify you completely, but do you let it happen? You see, when I made my way to the porch to sit under the light, it became how clear my injury was. In fact, when I saw for myself how serious it was, I actually went into this like sort of like hyperventilated state. I I couldn't sit still. I was sitting on the porch and my legs would not stop bending and unbending. And so my sister, who was getting ready to go to college to become an RN, she's trying to like assess my wound, right? But my legs are moving, and she can't see it. And I, like, my, my uncle was getting mad at me. He's looking at me. He's like, sit still. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> right? Like, I'm hearing what he's saying, but it's not registering because the wound was that serious. No joke. We had, like, my aunts and uncles on the floor pinning my legs down so that my sister could finally assess just how bad the cut was. Yes, I was hurt and wounded, but the light to see it was the first step. There was work that needed to be done to address it. If you're with me, say amen. amen. All right. Salvation is us coming to Jesus and surrendering to him as Lord and Savior. It's a coming to the light, but sanctification is the work that God himself continues in you. He says, the light has exposed some things that I need to work on. Will you let me work? Will you let me sanctify you completely? And let's be honest, being human, some of us need to be pinned down so that God can do his work. Oh, I got amens. That's good. <laughs> All right. So let's look, at, let's look at Romans 6, verses 1 through 11. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his." 
We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Last time I preached to you, I had the the great privilege of letting us know how terrible we all are without Christ. Right? We talk about the fallen nature of man, and I use Riley as an illustration, that Riley was born breach, her head in the wrong direction, and that's a symbol of us spiritually, that we are born headed in the wrong direction, but Jesus, he fixes the spiritual breach, and we are born again, and he changes the direction we're moving in. We go from being damned to being set free, and to having an eternity not without him, but with him. We're delivered to life. And so sanctification, it's an act of separation from that which is evil and of dedication unto God. I want to read three verses, three scriptures to you uh, just to further uh, drive in this point about being crucified with Christ, putting the flesh to death and having new life in the spirit. First, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 8.13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the spirit you put death to the, uh, the deeds of the body, you will live. And then finally, Romans 8, 1 and 2, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Is there an amen in the house? Salvation is about surrendering to Jesus as Lord and Savior because we realize our sin means death. But life with Christ means God is for us. We've got a new life with resurrection power and the Holy Spirit in us, and that means God is with us in this. Jesus said that he is the light of the world. You might be here today and know you feel something is off and you're not sure what it is. And the good news is that Jesus, the light of the world, he's never going to be shut off. That light will always shine. He's available to draw near so that by his light and by his grace, you can be rescued, redeemed, restored, set free, liberated. No matter how wrong things might be going in your life, his grace is more than able to save. Today, you can take that first step of drawing closer to the light. But saints, some of you in here have have drawn nearer to the light Longer than I've been alive. It happened a long time ago. But I want you to know that's just the first step. The light shows you what's wrong, but then there's work that has to be done. And guess what? He wants to sanctify you completely. So you know what's the mistake we make as humans from time to time? We look around and we go, I'm not as as bad off as Charlie. Sorry, Charlie. (laughs) Right? 
I'm not as bad off as Charlie got. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Listen, we are made to be molded into Christ's image. So stop comparing yourself to others because I promise you, even if the area is this small, God has a work to do in you. He wants to sanctify you completely, both in the big obvious areas and the little areas that no one here knows about. He wants to sanctify you completely. Yes, we take that first step to the light to expose, but then we gotta let the Holy Spirit do the work of sanctification. And so we're saved, we're justified. How do we begin to live out this sanctified life? Romans 12, one to two comes to mind. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let me remind you what the second bullet point of the fundamental truth said. Sanctification is realized in the believer by recognizing his identification with Christ in his death and resurrection and by the faith reckoning daily upon the fact of that union and by offering every faculty continually to the dominion of the Holy Spirit. What do we see in Romans 12? By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The mercy of God is that he withholds giving us what our sin deserves. For the wages of sin is death. But if we can live in remembrance of the fact that he withholds the very thing we've earned, the only thing we've earned, and that his grace gives us what we could never earn, it should make it easier to live life as a living sacrifice. But having grown up in church, I lost count of the number of times I heard this. You know what the problem is with a living sacrifice? It can drag itself off the altar. You can get to the point where it's like, ooh, ooh, God, no, I'm not ready for you to work on that one, right? And maybe you look like me, you need your legs pinned down so they, they can start to do the work to clean you. And yes, it hurt. Listen, so one of my family members, there was a pharmacy down the street. They flew down there and they bought this spray-on anesthetic and they didn't tell me about it. So they pinned my leg down and all of a sudden this spray can comes out and they start spraying it directly into the wound. And let me tell you, church, not fun. I was not happy with it. But what was the reality? If that wound didn't start to be addressed, it was gonna cause a lot more pain later. I want you to know, no matter what area in your life that is dead right now, there is nothing in your life that he cannot resurrect, that you can submit and let the power of God turn dry bones to life. Listen, Sanctification, it, it's not possible without the Christ who declared that he's the light of the world because ultimately that's who we need to look like. We need to look like him and he's the light that exposes it all. You can be renewed through Christ and through the word. I'm transformed by the renewing of the mind and we experience renewal of the mind when we utilize the Bible as the source for our renewed thinking. Think about yourself. You might have some opinions that they're not just gonna change if it's not challenged, right? 
Like, you, it's, you don't wake up one morning and go, yeah, here's this long-held opinion I have, and all of a sudden I'm going to flip on it, right? No, usually it needs to be challenged. I want you to know the way of death that comes to us naturally because we were born spiritually breached, it's not just going to change. It needs to be challenged, and the word of God is that challenge. It is the source that renews us, and as it renews us, it transforms us. But look at this, Psalm 119, 105 Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, 11, I have hidden your word. This word that's a light to my feet, a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you see what just happened to the light in there? The light went from shining on you to now you have this source of transformation that's saying, I want to come inside you. And all those nooks and crannies that you tell no one else about, I know them. And I want to shine that light into every nook and cranny that every part of your deadness, your death inside can be transformed to life. The Bible is meant to pierce us, dissect us, and illuminate our intentions and desires and transform them from fleshly, death-based thoughts to life by the light of Jesus. And as Jesus transforms us from death to life inside, as he expunges all of the death within us, we're transformed. This is about being transformed by the renewal of your mind and understanding the source of that renewal is the word that challenges the deathly me first thinking of the flesh and invites us into the richness of a crucified life empowered by resurrection power, illuminated by Jesus, the light of the world, because the light makes a difference. A few weeks ago, it was uh, it was. Jackie's turn to take care of Riley before Jackie went to bed, right? And so I'm on the couch, and we have the, we have the, the camera open, right, on my iPad. And so uh, Jackie goes up there, and uh, I'm chuckling to myself because I, I can see the pacifier, right? And Jackie's just like, she's looking everywhere except where the pacifier is. And so I'm like, What's going on with Jackie, right? And so, so it took her a little bit, and so she comes down, and then that night she tells me, oh, um, you know, just to help Riley sleep better, I took out the nightlight, okay? And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. So the next night comes around, and guess whose turn it is, right? And now, I knew that there was no nightlight, but I was like, how much light is there really coming from this nightlight? right? And so I knew what I had to do. I knew the behavior I needed to do to help Riley soothe and go to sleep. But I got to tell you, church, when I was fumbling around for that pacifier, all of a sudden, 24 hours earlier, I'm going, I get it. (laughs) I understand what happened. Just that little light made a huge difference in being able to take care of Riley. And so 24 hours before, I was laughing at Jackie, but 24 hours later, I'm going, oh, I get it. Why? The light made a difference. I want you to hear me. The behavior without the light doesn't accomplish anything. I don't think you got me on that one. The behavior without the light accomplishes Nothing. The light is the light that's good, that is the the standard and the setting of good. My behavior without the light makes no sense. But just a little bit of light starts to shine and starts to help us. 
But that's just the beginning. You see, I, I love that about grace. Grace will find me wherever I'm at. It will clean me up. It will fix me. It will heal me. But grace also says, I want to lead you home. There's a journey I want to take you on. Yes, God's love is magnificent in that no matter where you are, who you are, or what you've done, if you've got breath in your lungs, God is able to save you. But God loves you so much that he says, listen, I'm fine with where you're at, but I got somewhere I want to take you. And as I take you there, we're going to transform you from looking like yourself to looking like Jesus. And when you think about this world where we stand in 2023, we can see identity is a major issue for our culture. People staking claims of identity, either based on victim or sexual orientation or all sorts of other things, saying this is my identity. And Christ first and foremost says any identity apart from me is death. The only identity that gives you life is mine and mine alone. That's what Jesus says, and that's why he wants to conform you to his image. Yes, it's great that God's love finds us wherever it is, but don't fall for this wishy-washy, well, if God loves me so much, then he should just accept me as I am. Yes, he did, but he's got better for you. Let the light shine on you, and then let the light come in you to transform you from death to life. Our way of living changes as we're transformed from death to life on the inside through the sanctification by God himself. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And this is what I love about this passage. I love that this line comes first. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And it's so easy for people to get stuck on that phrase. Because, I, oh, I, I need to work this out on my own. And I need to do it with, with fear and trembling. But we're not talking about terror. We're talking about a deep reverence and awe for God. It's funny that we sang this song this morning because the second verse of Amazing Grace opens with this line. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." What does that mean? Grace, it fixes our perspective from what we do fear that's not worthy of being feared, and yet it teaches us to fear God, not in a spirit of fear or timidity, but in awe and reverence of this great God of love, who, unworthy as I am, chose to not just love me, but provide a way through the sacrifice of his son to restore me to proper relationship with him. When I think about this, this uh, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." There's this uh, video that went viral of a, a, a baby, and the baby's kind of like standing against the wall, and I'm willing to bet that it was the dad who was behind the baby, because here's what happened. The baby's looking at the wall, and all of a sudden, a hand shadow pops up on the wall. And the baby's like, whoa, right? And the baby's looking at the shadow. And here's how I know it was a dad and not a mom. The hand shadow attacks the baby, <laughs> right? So the shadow is up on the wall, and all of a sudden you see the shadow lunge at the baby, and of course, what happened to the baby? Jumped back, because it was like, whoa! But in reality, what, what do we know? No shadow is gonna hurt us. Are you with me? 
No shadow is going to hurt us. Grace, it taught my heart to fear, but it also relieved my fears. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the light is still shining. It is a shadow that even if I do die as a believer in Christ, I just get transported to eternity with him on the other side. It was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. The debt I never could have paid has been paid in full, and now I leave a redeemed life. No IOU note hanging over my head, a deep gratitude, reverence, and awe for the one who made it possible. And not only did he make it possible, this same God is the one who works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. What is it that Paul said in the first chapter of Philippians? I am confident of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Who's bringing it to completion? You? No, he does. Why? The God of peace himself wants to sanctify you completely. And so all of that established these opening two bullet points, that sanctification is an act of separation from that which is evil and of dedication unto God, and sanctification is realized in the believer by recognizing his identification with Christ in his death and resurrection, and by the faith reckoning daily upon the fact of that union, and by offering every faculty continually to the dominion of the Holy Spirit. But here are the two other bullet points to this fundamental truth. First, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're able to obey the command, be holy, for I am holy. And that the scriptures teach a life of holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So look at, let's look at these couple verses. 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 16 says this, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. To be holy means we're set apart. You could say sanctification is now a, a, a demarcation that we are now children of God and part of his kingdom. But here's the best part of this, though. It's not by our power, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to obey the command, be ye holy, for I am holy. When we bring our mess into the light and we see that there's no mess that Jesus can't fix or save, not only should we live in gratitude for that saving grace, but we should also live obedient to what Jesus asks of us. Jesus doesn't ask us to be holy of our own striving. You know why? We can't be holy of our own striving. No, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to obey the command. And for that, I'm so grateful because the second bullet point says the scriptures teach a life of holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And we read this in Hebrews 12, 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14 becomes a much heavier text to me when I think about Judas. Judas 
shows the danger of thinking proximity is enough. For all the time Judas spent with Jesus, he never saw, much less perceived, who Jesus was. For all the proximity to Jesus that Judas had, Judas also illustrates the painful truth, you can't serve two masters. Judas loved money at the expense of loving Jesus. Listen, Jesus knew that Judas had sticky fingers when it came to the money of the ministry. Judas may have been close to the light, but he didn't let the light expunge what it exposed. The light first exposes, but then through the work of the Holy Spirit, he expunges the death on the inside. I'll never forget visiting a house that was uh, under renovation. The first thing that caught me was that from the outside, I couldn't tell there were renovations happening in this house. Now, I knew the house that I was going to, but if I hadn't known the house I was going to, I would have guessed I was going to the house with the work van outside. But I knew the house that I was going to, and so I I pulled up and I was aware of the renovations that were happening inside. And so this person had undertaken a small project. They had to replace like a patch of the wall or something. I'm not a handy guy, so don't ask me for details, okay? But they had to replace a patch or something. And so they, they opened it up, and it was, it was a small project, tiny project. But when they, took, when they went to go replace this section of wall, something happened. They discovered black mold inside. So this tiny little piece of wall is taken out. Black mold is discovered And now this tiny project, this tiny do-it-yourself project that was probably just $50, $75, obviously before inflation kicked in, um, right? Um, All of a sudden, now we've discovered this black mold, not we, they, they discovered this black mold, and this tiny project turned into a five-figure project. There was death inside that needed to be expunged, And here's the proof of the death that wound up getting expunged from that house. The inhabitants of that house had been dealing with some physical issues that they couldn't figure out what was going on. Doctor visits and all this stuff, no solution. And so they do this massive renovation project, pouring all this money because the death in the walls needed to be expunged. And when the inhabitants moved back in, guess what happened to their physical issues? All of a sudden, the physical issues went away. What was exhibiting on the outside vanished when the death on the inside was dealt with. What am I trying to tell you? It's not about your behavior. It's about being transformed from death to life inside. And I'm here to tell you, you don't need to live with that metaphorical headache any longer. You've gotten accustomed to just taking medicine to live headache-free when the reality is there's a Jesus who can expunge the death on the inside and deal with the real issue rather than take something to mask a mere symptom. Listen, the enemy would love to make you think that death is just a symptom you can ask, you can mask but it's not. It's something that needs to be expunged, but it can only be expunged if you let the light first expose what's wrong. 
Yes, Jesus is the light of the world, and we draw near to Jesus so that he can expose, but don't miss the step of letting the Holy Spirit expunge the very things that are being exposed. Christ redeeming you is about something that happens on the inside that affects the outside. It's so much more than just changing your behavior. The symptoms of death on the outside disappeared when the death on the inside was removed. Please listen to me this morning. Coming to church without believing in the redeeming, restoring, rescuing power that Jesus died for your sins and is your Lord and Savior means you're in proximity to the light and yet you have failed to let it expose and expunge the death inside. I don't want that to be your story when his story has the power to transform you from death to life. The good news is the Holy Spirit does the work as you let him. It's not a works-based salvation. So it's not just up to you to fix things. God empowers you to do so. The strength you never had, God supplies in abundance when you confess that you're weak. So this message today would be remiss if there wasn't an opportunity to respond. Because I prayed that as this message was shared, that you would feel the Holy Spirit illuminating some things that need renovating in your house. There's nothing of yourself or your flesh that the light of God says that's good enough. Nothing. Every area of your life, no matter how small you think it is, needs to be submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ so that God himself may sanctify you completely so that he who started the good work in you can be faithful to complete it. And so with all that said, can't help but think there needs to be opportunity to respond. Dave, if you could come. I don't know your business, nor do I need to. But today it's simple. There's nothing specific I'm going to call out. I just want to put it to you this way. And if you could close your eyes and bow your heads, I just have two things I want to ask. First, if you've never made the decision to draw near to the light, and let the light expose what he can expunge, then I want to encourage you today. Choose to give your life to Jesus this morning. There was a funny thing that happened when I went up to the porch to look out into the backyard. I was able to see that the cone had been moved. And because the cone had been moved, the flagpole that had been sawn down and left at knee height I had kept my eye on the cone in the darkness, but on the porch from where the light was, I was able to see the very thing that had hurt me. And this world that we live in, without Jesus, it's a dark world. And there's so much danger out there. I wanna encourage you that if you haven't given your life to Jesus, that today is the day to draw near to the light. And yes, there are some aspects of the light exposing things that are uncomfortable, but the good news is it's not just up to you for that light to expose because the work of the Holy Spirit will expunge those things as you let him. And so my first question, is there anyone here, eyes closed, heads bowed, is there anyone here that wants to say, I want to draw near to this light this morning? I want this light to expose all the stuff. I, I feel something is wrong. I, I know something is wrong, but I want the light to expose. Secondly, you're here today and you can be honest about something. 
There's more to the renovation project in your house than you first realized. Maybe it's impatience, anger, short-temperedness, lust, greed, dishonesty. The list can be incredibly long. But I trust that you know what that area is because I believe the Holy Spirit's been working and he's been shining. And now that he's exposed it, God is asking you, will you let me expunge this area of your life to remove the death from these walls so that you can be transformed from death to life? Is there anyone here, eyes closed, heads bowed, that could raise their hand and say, I feel like God is exposing some stuff he needs to expunge. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. I wanna remind you that he is faithful to complete the work that he has started. You are not doing this on your own. He is with you, he is for you, he is in you, and he will bring it to completion. So would you stand with me? I'm just gonna close in a quick word of prayer. We'll have pastors and and prayer partners up front if you want prayer. Maybe you've been dealing with something that you don't know how to deal with it on your own anymore. Maybe you're caught in the throes of addiction, and that is a powerful thing to wrestle with. But I want you to know, Jesus has all victory and all authority. Jesus has the power to set you free from everything you might be dealing with. And so if that's you, and you've had a long-term wrestling match, and you're not finding freedom, I want to encourage you, come forward and let us pray with you. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you were faithful to complete the work that you've started. And Lord, we just surrender. We surrender to you. That Lord, as we leave from here, that above all else, we would be encouraged. Not only did you win the victory that day, but that victory is the victory we stand on as believers in you, the only son of God who lived, died, and rose again with all power in his hands. And so Lord, I pray, as we leave this place, would your Holy Spirit not just encourage and edify, but Lord, convict. Where we've gotten comfortable, would you convict us of the work that we need to let you keep doing so that we can be molded more and more into the image of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your victory. Be with us now as we go. In your name, amen.